Cupcakes and Brimstone by Lonnie Reed, Celestial Falls, Book 1. The curvy little human baker is too sweet for me, but that doesn't matter. I want to taste. The bad boy dragon meets the good girl human. It's a match made in heaven, or maybe in hell. A crazy twist of fate brought me to her bakery, the Cupcake Fairy, and I'm thanking my lucky stars. The first time I see her, the beauty steals my burning heart. The first time I breathe in her sweetness, my dragon roars, mine, and seals the deal. Now I have my work cut out for me. My human mate is suspicious of my motives and decides to fight the pool between us. She fears I'm going to burn her. Things are about to heat up, and I'm going to make sure my little love enjoys every second of it. Look out, little cupcake. Your fiery dragon is coming for you. That's Cupcakes and Brimstone by Lonnie Ree, Celestial Falls, Book One, now in Kindle Unlimited. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, welcome, welcome. This is our first time ever recording a podcast, apparently. (laughs) I forgot to hit some stuff. Mel forgot to hit some stuff. I'm like scrambling. Oh, shit, clap. Oh, God. Oh, thanks for joining us today for the second installment of Without End by Jenna Hartley. We adore her. She's so cute and so sweet. And I mentioned it on Tuesday, but go listen to her podcast, Heart to Heart. She interviews authors and just asks some really fun questions. Oh, and at the end of it, with the interview I did with her, at the end of it, she says, I ask every author to name three things you're grateful for. And so it's really sweet to like, to listen to the other authors say their stuff or whatever. It's kind of fun. But she asks, like, she'll, when she interviews the author, like, she's like, hey, I'm with, you know, Alexa Riley or whatever. And she's like, here's the book bio. And she reads, like, or the the bio for the author. And so she kind of reads you that. And I'll tell you what, hearing your own, like, author bio read back to you is a little disturbing. Because <laughs> like, I went and listened to it. You know, I listened to the podcast. I listened to the episode. And the part where she's like... Alexa Riley, there's two of us, but don't worry, we only have one brain. And I was just like, maybe I should have let that out. Like, that was so stupid when she said that. I was like, God, I'm an idiot. Oh, God. We wrote that so long ago. I know. I was like, we like uh, donuts, beards, and dirty books in that order. And I was like, maybe not. <laughs> we'll, we'll take that out, too. Oh my God, we're idiots. So yeah, so my, listen to Heart to Heart. <laughs> my daughter tells everybody that I write dirty books. Does she like really? Yes. I wondered about that. If like my kids will ever tell people. Yeah, she thinks it's so cool. She's like, it's Why? so cool. I, I, she's like, I tell them you write dirty books. I'm like, can't you just tell them I write romance? She's like, no, yeah. it's better this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's better this way. Like you're I'm a like, criminal. <laughs> You know what's actually, since we went on that vacation, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I talked to Isabel before we left. She's always arguing with me. That's Mm -hmm. always been my thing with her. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's changed, but, like, the past month has been great. Really? Yes. What do you think's changed? What's different? I don't know. But now she doesn't. We don't fight. And we hang out now. Okay. We hang out all the time. Like, when she comes to my room and I'm working and she Uh lays down, I let her stay. Before, she used to get mad because I'd let Peyton stay, but mm-hmm. she would come in and talk and start an argument mm-hmm. where Peyton just lays there and plays on his iPad. Yeah. 
But no, she's been really good. And it's weird how everybody's getting along and we're like, we had movie night with everybody the other night and stuff like that. We're growing out. It just seems like everything is less tense. And I don't know what's changed, but growing out. Do you think it's because like, yeah, or just had some alone time, like you got out of your bubble a little bit, like when you were on vacation or got away from like normal distractions or something the only other thing that's changed is like her mom's back in our life Mm -hmm. on a more regular basis she's seeing her but that's the only difference yeah i don't know and the trip or maybe she's just growing out of the horrible teenage years yeah maybe so maybe so i hope it lasts forever i think that's awesome enjoy it while it's here that's all i'm saying I don't even know. My, you know, my kids are at camp right now, and I text you yesterday. I was like, "We just dropped them off. I miss them already." And I, you know, part of it was because we couldn't get out of the car to drop them off. So like, it was just kind of like, "Bye," and they just ran away. And I just wanted to cry. And it was so sweet, though. Like, Hallie, you know, my little, she'll be seven next month. You know, she went to like, you know, her cabin to drop off her bags, and then she ran back to the car and went around and. Hugged my husband. She's like, happy Father's Day. And then she went, I was like, why am I crying? (laughs) Like, it was the sweetest thing. Did they get to call you at all or no? No. No. They say absolutely no contact. Like, no, they don't get to bring any electronics. Like, they were like, no radio, no MP3 player, no smartwatch, like nothing. They're like, if it powers, they can't have it. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. And they're like, we will only call you in the event of an emergency. And, you know, it sounds, like, really harsh, but at the same time, I loved, like, they explained it in their, like, literature, you know, when you sign them up for camp. It says this is a way for them to be independent and figure out who they are in a safe environment. And I was like, that's so true. Like, to give them a moment to say, who do I want to be? Instead of, like, I have to do all of this stuff that my parents tell me to do all the time. And bonding with other people on Mm -hmm. their own without you being, come on. And just forming friendships. And, well, and, but I always say that. I love Girl Scout camp. Well, and one of the things I love is, like, they're so scholarship-based for this camp. So it really is all walks of life. Like, you get people from every, you know, socioeconomic background. Like, you know, different you know, people of different color. Like, it's just, it takes them outside of their everyday bubble to see how other people yeah. interact and live and, and make friends with people that aren't just like the people they've grown up with their whole lives. And I just thought like, I loved how they said that though, that it gives them a chance to explore who they are in a safe environment. And I just thought that's the best way they could have put that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying not to worry too much. And I know that I get, if I get a call about my oldest one, it's because she's broken an arm. And if I get a call about my youngest one, it's because she broke someone's arm. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Yep, she's she's gonna be the problem if anything. So fingers crossed. They're they're two days in, so hopefully they're doing all right. I was just so worried about like like I just I wanted to go in their cabin and like maybe help them set up their bed, especially my young one. She's seven. She doesn't know how to like make a bed. So I just told her I was like, please just ask for help if you need it. That's all I'm saying. Just ask for help. So I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure they're fine. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> Peyton's 11. I don't think you can make a bed. No. Well, even they sheet have, gets them every time. 
Well, they have like uh, sleeping bags, but I told them, I was like, put this sheet down first and then put your sleeping bag on it. And I don't know if it'll happen. And they're, you know what? They'll probably be all clean underwear that comes back. (laughs) Like they'll be in one pair of underwear the whole time. (laughs) Who cares? You know, and I told Lydia, you know, she was worried about uh, like washing her hair and stuff like that. Stressed her out last time she went because she, so she had a big haircut before we left. And I was like, and I just told her, I, said, I don't care if you don't wash your hair the whole week. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I was like, just have fun. So give her some dry shampoo. Be on your way. Yep. I was like, who cares? Just have fun. That's all this week's about. So that's what they're doing this week. Let's see. I've got some lady listener emails we're going to read. These are my favorite. So I went through and pulled up some old ones. So these are oldie but goodies. And I hope that I haven't read them already or, or they weren't read like way back in the day. When they were first sent to us. (laughs) Dear lady podcasters, just wanted to show you where my evening walk took me with you in my ears. Perfect spot, just a 10 minute walk from my neighbor, from my temporary home, building a new house 10 kilometers from here. Thorup Strand, North Jutland in Denmark. Hell yeah, this lady listeners are from Denmark. And yes, they actually make a living of using those boats for fishing. I don't know anything about that, but thank you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not yet up to date with the podcast. Currently listening to Picture Perfect. Wow, slow agony for a week. <sighs> Luckily, I don't have to wait for another chapter because they are all there. Sometimes I fast forward to the chapters and afterwards listen to you talk. As another listener wrote before, I feel like I know you all and just wanted to thank you for the podcast and for the everyday stuff you talk about. After you talk of, after you talked about the craft of writing, I have been thinking about beginning to write down some of my romance stories I have in my head just for myself to see if I really can write a full story. Not only just the good stuff. Currently, I have four to five stories with different heroes and heroines I keep adding to when I have trouble sleeping or just daydreaming. My biggest problem is that in my head, it's always in English and there isn't any problem finding words or spelling. But now just writing this email makes me stumble. Sometimes I try to picture it written in Danish and it's not the same, but since it's just for me, I have decided just to keep writing. Maybe then it will both be in English and Danish. Oh, and finally, someone could explain how I felt when I finished Twilight. It was so hard getting through, so thank you, and I'm glad that I am not the only one who felt that way. Feel free to share my email or picture on Instagram, etc. I love Read Me Romance headquarters. I just recently joined there, but absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you all for the good work and for keeping, for keep, for keep on, and keep on going. Excuse me. That was my fault, not hers. <sighs> love, Trin. I think that's how you say Trin. I love that she's writing. I know. I did too. I think the biggest compliment anyone could ever pay us is that they started, they felt like they could write after seeing what we did. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, if anything, I want people to understand that, like, you can do this. You know, it just takes dedication. That's all. You know, you can do it. Believe in yourself. If we can do it, anybody can. Yeah. <laughs> this one is, you ladies had me in stitches again today. I had a nasty surprise with the birth of my daughter, baby number one. The damn epidural wasn't done quite right. Only one leg frozen, other side wide awake, and foot so cold they were he- they were he- there were heating blankets in the sterilization equipment. Baby was three weeks overdue. Baby number two had me in a hospital waiting for water for my water to break, but it was a slow leak. That crochet hook was huge. I <laughs> hate that the hook. epidural work this time. Do what? 
that hook scared the shit out of me. I was so happy when my that? water broke on it. Yeah, if your water doesn't break, they put this hook thing up there. And she was like, if you don't break by noon, we're going to break it. And luckily, I broke Fuck. on my own. You're like, but break, she said, like, break. she said, if I remember, it's just like 70% of people don't break on their own. Holy shit, that's a lot. I, I mean, know. I did. So I was like, I I'm not going to fall in there. <laughs> You're like, I'm above average, goddammit. <laughs> All right, that crochet hook was huge, and thankfully, epidural worked this time. They told me to have a nap, but things felt odd, so I wanted Hubby to get a nurse to check me. He told them to humor me. Well, the baby was crowning. She grabbed the end of the bed and headed across the hall in a big hurry. The next thing I hear is a doctor running down the hall in his wooden clogs. Oh, my God. Baby number two was a son and was only two weeks late. Both kids born on the 16th of the month, just like their dad, Donna. They didn't want out of there. You must have been nice and comfy. You made them a nice little home. They were super cozy. I love it. Um, This one's from Kayla. It says, hello again, ladies. I love listening to you ladies every day. Every time you ask listeners to send in their stories, I always felt a bit bummed because I'm boring and don't have a lot of stories. So I resolved that I would sit down and actually put some thought into this. That's when it hit me. I have a story. I did the girly squeak thing alone in my car, which I'm sure entertained the other drivers to no end. Anyways, here goes. I discovered Alexa Riley shortly after their debut and found myself literally addicted to their books. I would scroll through their website daily looking up the upcoming releases to make sure I had them all marked down. But when I wasn't trying to explain to, but when I was trying to explain to a friend while I liked them, I found out I had a secret kink. Breeding! (laughs) (laughs) Or more specifically, just the guy coming without a condom. (laughs) That is my freaking catnip. I love it! She it's my catnip too. Oh I can't. Oh my god! Yes. I'll sometimes search condom. <laughs> the word condom this when I get a book, <laughs> and if I see it, I'll be all disappointed. I'm like, maybe I'll read this later. <laughs> the pro tip, ladies, search for that. <laughs> it turns me on so much. In fact, I realized that all of the naughty vids I enjoy were basically just a compilation of guys getting off bareback, regardless of gender or partner. Like, that absolutely cranks my shaft. She is going in on this. I love it. I don't want the story to build up just that. And the sounds the guys make when he gets them. Oh, my Lord. So hot. So, yeah, there's no secret. I know it's safe in your lovely hands. For book recs, early on in the podcast, I remember talk about a Shifter MC series, which got me thinking that I have two slash um, two cons two or three kinds of authors to recommend for anyone who likes BDSM. Candace Blevins. I feel like if not all, I feel like not all, um, most of her books are BDSM pretty heavily and very detailed, but I do know that she mixes BDSM into paranormal and that she does have an MC group of shifters, wolves, I think. And my last one is an author who has a few pen names, Leslie Richardson, AKA Timber Dalton. She has it all. Any configuration of partners you can imagine. Paranormal, BDSM, Menage, literally almost anything. And her BDSM series, Suncoat Society, features couples who are average. I absolutely do not mean that in a bad way. Just normal people going through life and finding love. I love that series because it makes my heart melt to see the love and trust and care they have for their partners. Anyways, just wanted to share my secret with you and also pass along a couple of pretty awesome authors in case anyone's interested. Thanks. 
I know. I thought that was pretty wrecks. good. Yeah, I um, know. I was going to ask if you wanted to touch back on, if you've been paying attention, mm-hmm. Christy Teigen. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So I saw her apology that came out and I felt like it was really heartfelt. I did too. I mean, too. I don't know. What did you think when you read it? I felt it was really heartfelt and now I'm starting to feel like that's enough. Like people are... Mm-hmm. It's just, I get somebody does something wrong, people lash out, but then it just becomes too much. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's enough, guys. Everybody's got to calm down. Or what's, I don't know. It seems like anytime somebody messes up, it's like, rip them to shreds. Yeah. And And what does that teach us? Leave them to die. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I like that she said in that is that we are more than our worst mistakes. Yeah. And I was just like, that really, really hung with me after I read the article that like, we're more than the worst things we've ever done. And it's true. I mean, if you can't have empathy with someone who's been in a shitty situation, that's maybe like done something wrong and really fucked up and tried to apologize. If you can't have empathy for that, like, what I, what the fuck are we doing? I believe she is truly remorseful. And I don't mean that, like, because she got called out for it. I think when yeah. she looked back on that, she cringed herself. Absolutely. Like, even before yeah. people lashed out at her. Yeah. I think that yeah. she totally realized what she did. And I just, I'm starting to feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's like she's dropped off the planet. And I mm-hmm. seen today that Courtney Stoughton was like, I want to do, I'll meet with Christy Teigen if, we can do it on Oprah. I was like, that's a big uh, jump. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. So. Well, and I don't know, like, I mean, I don't know their situation, obviously. Like, you know, and I guess it's weird, though, because it's like, are we giving her a pass because it's her? Or is it because, is it because I identify with her in a way that, like, I've kind of been through a similar situation, you know, with like online bullying, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. thing. You know, there's plenty I've regretted that I've said to people, you know, that like, especially when I was younger and stuff. And like, if I was catty or like mean girl and stuff, like if I ever did that, like, you know, when I think back to the times when I did that, of course I feel awful and remorseful. And I'm an adult now and I have, you know, people in my life that I care about that I would never want them to do something like that. I would never want that done to them, you know? I think it's it's just not her. It's the whole cancel culture that's going on. Yeah. That is so, it's nuts. And it's mm-hmm. got, it's sad. And you're just like, God, everybody's getting ripped apart. Yeah. And there's you know, no room for change and to be better. It just sucks. Yeah, you, that's exactly it. There's no room for for someone to correct their mistake. With the and cancel culture. It never seems like when they step out and they're like, I'm sorry. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not enough. Yeah. You know, I've thought about, I try to relate to this a lot because one of the things I've said, you know, or, and I just said it about like, you know, I have a daughter. I wouldn't want someone to look at them like that. You know, sometimes when you, like when I've seen like a man that's accused of like a sexual assault or, you know, whatever it is, like he's been accused of, of something like that, you know, it's like. You know, and he comes out and says, I know, like, I'm so sorry I have daughters. Like, I wouldn't want that. Blah, blah. And, like, it shouldn't take you having a daughter to not do those things mm-hmm. or to see it in that light. So I don't mean it like I see myself, uh, I see the things that I've done because I have children. 
I've grown up to realize that's really shitty behavior and I don't do that anymore because I'm an adult and I hope that my kids don't experience some of the shit stuff that I said. Yeah. And so like that's kind of how I look at it. And so I'm, I hope that with Chrissy Teigen, it's not like, oh, I really like her and I want her to have a past because that's not it. I mean, I don't know her. Like we're not friends, but she does seem like a genuine person that really feels remorse for this. Yeah. But – and she lost all of her contracts and shit, like yeah. four or five. It's like, yeah. she, I feel like she's got her licks back. Yeah. Yeah, really. Like, what else do you want? I mean, they're like, oh, you know, disappear or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen. You know, like no, nobody just disappears because you want them to. You know, I'm just, I tried to think of like other celebrities that have done something Mm-hmm. you know, similar that I was like, oh, that's totally unforgivable. Yeah. You know, and unless it's like, you know, a sexual assault or, or something like that, I just don't know that, that, you know, bullying isn't something that can be re- redeemed if the person is really remorseful. I mean, like I said earlier, I, I love that she said we're not all our, we're not only our worst moments, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the takeaway for me for this. Would I want to be judged based solely on my worst moments in my life? No, absolutely not. I would love to be judged on the person I became after I did those things. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing that's in Harry Potter, by the way. And it says it's not our, um, you know, like, or it's not the, the choices, but our actions that define who we are. So it's really not, you know, the act in itself. It's how do you, what do you do when that happens? You know, like, how do you... How do you behave after something horrible like this? And it seems like, I don't know, with cancel culture, it's there's not room for that. So I hope there is. Oh, and speaking of this, I wanted to talk a little bit about J.M. Buckler because I have talked about her on the podcast before and she had the, um, she's the one I mentioned on the key to free, the, um, the really awesome like charity in Austin, Texas that takes um, in um, girls that are victims of sex trafficking. And so it's a really awesome charity and she was a part of it. And that's how I found out about it. So J.M. Buckler, I don't really know all the details. I kind of just came in on the tail end of it. She was like accused of supporting an author that maybe had like racist undertones in his books. And I didn't, again, I don't know all the facts, so I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus, but she came out like super defensive, like trying, you know, really defend herself. And and I know I didn't watch all the videos. I'll know everything that happened, but I do know that she was like, I I can't do this anymore. Like I can't defend myself. I can't stay on social media. Like this isn't something I can continue to do. And so she got off all of her social media. She still has her Instagram up and she was like, I'll post if I'm at a book signing, like I'll post on here, but she was like, but I'm not doing anything else. Like I'm not doing stories or reels or you know, bookstagram anymore. She's like, I cannot invest in this, you know, for yep. it. and I could understand that. It like that need traumatizing. to traumatizing. Yeah. And so I just so happened to catch like in my feed the other day, she popped up in a video where she said that she's going to do like indie book tours around the country. They're selling their house in Austin. She was like, we're just gonna, she's like, I've realized after being away from social media for the past couple of months, 
She's like, I realized how much time I had invested into trying to grow my brands like on, you know, on social media. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just looked around and she's like, my son like was in front of the TV all the time. We weren't really spending any time together. Like it was always about work. And she was like, you know, this really put the, a lot of things in perspective. So they're going to homeschool their son and they're just going to go around the country. And she was like, I'm going to write and, you know, go to indie bookstores for book signings and stuff. She was like, I feel like I've just really got to change my life. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't know everything that happened. And I hope it's not, I don't know. I, it's a situation like that where it's like, where's the, is there room for redemption in that? You know, like yeah. if she supported an author, maybe she didn't have all the facts or maybe she did. And she thought like it was okay for that to happen or, you know, whatever it is, like is if there's remorse, is there room for redemption? And I, I would hope so. I hope there is for everybody. I mean, seeing how drastically her life changed because of that, you know, because she was, there was a mob that went after her. And yeah. I just think, like, I mean, guilty or not, like, fuck, that's awful, you know, to, like, be sort of pushed into, like, selling your house and, and moving and, like, getting off social media completely just because, you know, like, that, I, I don't know. It was awful. It's nuts. It's yeah. nuts what it comes to sometimes. <sighs> and so I just hope that, you know, with that whole, like, Chrissy Seigan situation, too, yeah, all of that, I hope that, if anything, we will take something good away from it. Because yeah. what, what's the point otherwise? Yeah. So, all right. Let's talk about Jenna Hartley for a little bit. So, we've got her book. It's the final installment of Without End. And like I said earlier, she is doing a, a gift card in a sun paperback giveaway. And she has also got, if you like this book so far, uh, listen to the first half. Like I said, you're about to get the second. Make sure you get Unpredictable, which is an age gap romance. It's the Love in LA book three. And her new release this week is Inevitable. And she said that one's the dad's best friend with an age gap, work romance, that's super steamy. So check that out. Be sure to grab or be sure to follow her um, Heart to Heart podcast um, with all the interviews with the authors and all that good stuff. And join her Facebook group, Hopeful Romantics, which is just adorable. And if you're a blogger or you want an ARC, make sure you check out her website, jennahartley.com. Do all that good stuff. Lots so. of that will be in the show notes. Yep. All let's, of that will be in the show let's notes. Let's send them in. Let's do it. See you guys on the other side. Chapter 3 We'll be landing in little over an hour, the pilot said over the intercom. I blinked a few times, slowly coming to. The plane engine whirred, the white noise soothing, The sheets were smooth, and Harrison's arms were wrapped around me, his nose pressed to my back, his erection digging into me. Good morning, wife, he rumbled. I smiled and stretched beneath the covers, turning over to face him. Good morning, husband. I kissed him, lingering a moment. Harrison kissed his way down my stomach, and I sighed, torn between wanting to stay in bed and knowing I needed to get ready before we landed. But as he inched his way toward my clit, getting ready seemed less and less important. There was a knock at the door, and Peyton's voice wafted through the somewhat thin material. I froze, but Harrison didn't remove his lips from my skin. Good morning, Peyton said, 
Would you like some coffee or breakfast before we land? That would be lovely, I called, trying to stifle a moan when Harrison licked my clit. Oh, God. What was that? Peyton asked, and my eyes widened. Um, we'll be right there. Thanks. I locked my thighs around his head, doing my best to stop Harrison's movements. It felt amazing, but we didn't have time for this. Harrison, I hissed. Harrison? I tugged on his shoulders when he continued to ignore me, while simultaneously making me delirious. He popped his head out from beneath the covers, his lips slick with my desire, his hair sticking up in every direction. What? We have to get ready if we want breakfast before we land. I'm having you for breakfast. He ducked back beneath the covers, but I tossed them aside. Come on, I said, though my body felt like it might explode if I didn't let him finish. Later. You said that last night. He pinned me to the mattress, his body warm and delicious as he lay on top of me. I couldn't help it. I arched my hips up into him. I know, but we have all week, right? I asked, and he nodded. And I promise I'll make it up to you. I like the sound of that. He pressed his lips to mine, and I could taste myself on his tongue. I lost track of time momentarily, but then I pushed gently against his chest, panting. Breakfast. Breakfast. He grinned, then bent forward to pull my nipple into his mouth, sucking hard before releasing it. You're evil, I shivered. You're one to talk. He pushed off the covers before standing and pulling on some boxers. I'm going to go shower, unless you want to go first. I glanced at my watch, grabbing the bottle of water from the nightstand and swallowing my thyroid medicine. Go ahead. I know you'll want breakfast, and I have to wait a little longer. He grabbed his clothes, dropping a kiss on the top of my head, en route to the bathroom. Thirty minutes and a shower later, I joined him in the main cabin. He did a double take at my approach, his eyes scanning my espadrilles up my bare legs to where my sundress skimmed my thigh. The white eyelet made me feel summery, bridal, but the way he looked at me had me heating beneath the material. He gripped the armrests and I dipped my head. The man could make me feel as if I were naked, even when I was standing before him fully clothed. You look beautiful, he said, kissing my cheek after I took a seat. Peyton took my breakfast order, soon returning with the omelet and fruit I'd requested. I cupped my mug of coffee, grateful for the caffeine as I peered out the window. The world, a sea of blues and greens, and absolutely no land in sight. I only knew we'd been flying for nine or so hours because my watch was still on L.A. time. I'd slept seven of those hours in Harrison's arms, and I felt surprisingly well-rested. I was still completely clueless as to our destination. All I knew was that we were going to a beach, and judging from the color of the water and remote location, it was going to be stunning. As the plane began its descent, an island finally came into view. Turquoise water surrounded the lush haven, greenery spilling over its ridges, white sand lining the beaches. 
We flew over a row of bungalows that appeared as if they were floating on the water. My cheeks split into a smile, and I didn't need to know the name of the island to know it was going to be an incredible adventure. Welcome to Laukala, Harrison said. I whipped my head around to face him. Laukala? How did you- Harper suggested it. He smiled, though it was tinged with sadness, likely from my revelation the night before. And it was on your Pinterest page, one of your honeymoon recommendation boards. I- I opened my mouth, then closed it, opened it again. Of all the places I had pinned, and all the ones he could have selected from among them, he had picked my top choice, my dream destination. Thank you. I leaned across to kiss him just as the wheels touched down on the runway. We laughed, our bodies jostling from the impact. Thank you. Not long after, we stood at the top of the stairs, Harrison's palm on my lower back, as I lifted my hand to my forehead to shield my eyes from the sun. Now this was paradise. Blue skies, puffy white clouds, dense greenery, and a chauffeur waiting on the tarmac as the crew loaded our luggage into the trunk. Wow. I shifted my tote on my shoulder. I could get used to this. Wait until you see where we're staying, Harrison said. I shook my head slowly. I can't even imagine. And I couldn't wait, even as I soaked in every detail during the drive. Tropical plants lined the road, their bright colors drawing my eye at every turn. Coconut trees, palm trees, and my favorite, the beautiful frangipani flowers with their six curved white petals in yellow center. Holy wow, I breathed as the chauffeur pulled into the round drive of the resort. The exterior was a traditional design with a thatched roof, but the interior was contemporary luxury. A large arrangement of orchids sat on a round table in the lobby, the warm colors and variety of textures luring me into the welcoming atmosphere. The interior design was simple, yet opulent, something I could imagine Lauren gushing over. And the view. Bula, one of the hotel employees said as he approached. We are delighted to have you stay with us. His smile stretched from ear to ear, his presence warm like the tropical climate. My name is Emery, he continued, and I'll be personally looking after you during your stay. Bula means welcome, hello, or cheers. I'd be delighted to show you to your accommodations, Mr. and Mrs. Hayes. Bula? I said, and please, call me Juliana. Yes, of course, Miss Juliana. Allergies to oats and coconut. Dislikes mustard. I stared at him a moment. Yes, um, wow, you are remarkably well informed. We'd barely stepped foot in the lobby, and already I was impressed by the level of service and attention to detail. I wondered if they hosted destination weddings. Juliana. Harrison chided, though his teasing smile told me he didn't mind the question. It was only with his comment that I realized I'd zoned out for a moment, easily switching to work mode. And also that I'd asked the question aloud. Emery laughed. Yes, we do host weddings. We have one this weekend, in fact. But it was my understanding that you're newlyweds. 
He glanced between us as if seeking confirmation. We are. Harrison grinned, sliding his hand over my hip and pulling me into his side. My wife is an event planner back in L.A. Ah, yes, how lovely. He clapped his hands together. Right this way, if you please. Emery escorted us through the hotel, and the more he told us, the more awestruck I was. Not only was the resort absolutely gorgeous, situated on a private island with the most incredible scenery, but it was so much more than that. It was 100% solar-powered and had a strong focus on luxury and conservation, from the soap provided in the guest rooms to its reef sustainability program. As we passed one of the restaurants, a more upscale one with a menu heavy on seafood, Emery told us of the delicacies offered nightly. In addition to 24-hour room service, every restaurant on the property served locally sourced items, all grown on the island. Very impressive, I said, glancing at Harrison as we continued the tour. My husband knew me well. And now for your accommodations, Emery said ushering us through an open breezeway toward the water. A boardwalk led from the main resort over the white sand and glittering turquoise water. But we didn't head for the overwater bungalows as I had expected. We continued on, getting farther and farther from the main resort, until we arrived at a little villa along an empty stretch of the beach. The deck had a private plunge pool, and the doors were open, the rich wood interior blending seamlessly with the palm trees and ocean beyond. Though the overwater bungalows certainly had their charm, the villa was much more secluded and much larger. I turned to Harrison. Seriously? He grinned, giving my lower back a gentle nudge. Come on. While Emery gave us a tour of our secluded villa, I felt as if I might burst from excitement, I was like a bottle of champagne that had been shaken, and all the bubbles were jostling to get out. When he finally left us to get settled in, I spun around the living room, arms wide. Oh my God, I grinned, half laughing, half squealing. This is insane. Harrison chuckled, his hip resting against the kitchen counter. We had a kitchen and enough seating to have invited all of our friends. This is too much, I said, my heart still fluttering even as I slowed. You're too much, he teased. I mean, this view, the pool, the bed. It was all so incredible, so romantic. The white curtains draped elegantly around the bed and the bathroom. When I realized how quiet Harrison was, I turned to face him. What? You're even more beautiful when you let go. Despite the fact that he was my husband, a man who had seen me naked and explored every inch of me too many times to count, I blushed. He crooked his finger, beckoning me to him, and I went willingly. He spread his thighs, and I nestled between them, settling into his arms. This is amazing. Thank you. He tucked an errant strand of hair behind my ear. So goddamn beautiful. He pressed his lips to mine. How did I get so lucky? I kissed him again, the taste of him lingering on my lips. How did I? He rubbed my shoulders. 
what do you want to do first? Everything. Nothing. I laughed, giddiness making me light. How about a dip in the pool, and then we can try one of the restaurants for lunch? I nodded. Perfect. After the wedding, then the long flight, I just wanted to relax and unwind with Harrison. There would be time to go on excursions, to explore, but for now, I wanted to just be. With one more quick peck to his lips, I said, I'm going to unpack and change, then I'll join you. Change? He tilted his head to the side. You mean, undress? Well, yeah, but I assume Harper packed me at least one swimsuit. He lifted a shoulder, a wicked grin lighting his features. If it were up to me, you wouldn't wear any clothes while we were here. I laughed and turned for the bedroom with a shake of my head when he pulled me back, crushing me to his chest. He didn't say anything, just held me for a moment, then released me. You okay? I asked, sensing a shift in his mood. He nodded, clearing his throat. Just wanted to remember the moment. I smiled, cupping his cheeks before planting a sloppy kiss on his lips. My zen guru. He laughed and stripped out of his shirt before removing his pants. The doors to the pool and the beach beyond were still open. My eyes went wide. What are you doing? Going swimming, he said as if it were obvious. Yeah, but I glanced around as if someone would appear at any moment. What if someone sees you? It's a private beach for our villa, and none of the staff will come by unless invited. Still, I hesitated, not sure I was ready to skinny dip despite Harrison's assurances. I think I'll put on a swimsuit. Suit yourself. He removed his boxers in one swift move, tossing them at me. I caught them just before they hit my face, his laugh echoing off the wood floors. And then all I could see was his tight, lifted ass as he prowled toward the pool. My mouth went dry, and I stared after him, completely lost in the view. He dropped into the pool, emerging a moment later with slick hair and a deep sigh of contentment. With all the windows thrown open, outside and inside blurred together, a gentle breeze blowing in from the ocean, the scent of gardenias perfuming the air. I lingered for a moment, then headed to the bedroom where my suitcase was laid out in the large closet. A garment bag hung from the rod, and I unzipped it to find a few of my favorite dresses, as well as a sexy new one I hadn't seen before. There was a note attached to the hanger, and I recognized Alexis's handwriting. Enjoy your time together. Nothing is more important. I smiled to myself, thinking of how far she'd come, how much she had changed in the past few years. Preston had a lot to do with that, just as Harrison had helped me focus on what truly mattered, on being present. In the suitcase, I found tissue paper with a ribbon tied around it and a note from Lauren. Have fun, was all it said. An L scrawled hastily at the bottom. Inside were several new pieces of lingerie, handcuffs, and a few other toys. I laughed to myself. Why was I not surprised? 
Lauren had always been the most sexually liberated of the four of us. Harper and Alexis had hosted my bridal shower, but they had left the bachelorette party to Lauren. And it had been wild. Fun, but wild. We'd all flown out to Vegas, even the guys. At some point, we had ended up at the same club, and Harrison and I had been so drunk we started making out on the dance floor. Me and my bride-to-be Sash, Dick, Tiara, and Vale, and him looking devastatingly handsome as usual. I was positive most bystanders thought I was cheating on my husband-to-be, which had only made me giggle harder. I shook my head, a smile tilting my lips upward at the memory. I had the best friends. Women who supported me, loved me unconditionally, and were there for me no matter what. The fact that they had taken the time to add small personal gifts to my luggage was just one more reminder of how fortunate I was. The rest of my suitcase was well organized, and I appreciated Harper's packing skills. It wasn't surprising, considering she spent much of the year on the road as a film location scout. There was also a small waterproof point-and-shoot camera, a guide to the island, and a handwritten note from Harper with her recommendations for the top attractions, though she did emphasize relaxing and having fun. Beneath that were several swimsuits, including one I'd never seen but immediately fell in love with. It was a white bikini that was a little skimpier than I'd normally wear, but perfect for our honeymoon. I changed into it, loving the way the bra cups covered my breasts, but only just barely. The bottom was a strip of fabric, and my tanned skin was offset by the white material. I loved the white applique flowers, and I had a feeling Harrison was going to lose his mind when he saw it. I applied a fresh coat of lip gloss and twisted my hair up into a bun on the top of my head, grabbing my sunglasses and the camera before venturing outside. Harrison was leaning against the edge of the pool, arms wide, eyes closed, and head angled toward the sky. I snapped a picture, and he opened his eyes. Sorry, I scrunched up my face, not having wanted to disturb him. He ran a hand through his hair, though judging from his stupefied expression, I wasn't sure he'd heard a word I'd said. His green eyes glittered, the sun shining on the water and reflecting back in them. But it was the love I found gazing back at me that stole my breath, the heat, the desire, as he scanned my body from head to toe. I think I'm the one who should be taking pictures. Because damn, baby, that swimsuit. I laughed as I descended the steps to the pool, and my mind flashed back to our trip to Ojai last year. We'd been in the midst of planning Olivia's wedding, and I'd been trying and failing to ignore my attraction to Harrison. As we had lounged next to the pool at a different resort in a different time, I remembered thinking Harrison was the hottest man I'd ever seen. I still believed that. Where'd you go? Harrison asked, water droplets beating on his chest. Oh, hi. His lips curved into a knowing smile, and he waded through the water toward me. Ah, Ojai, one of my favorite memories. Well, except the hike. I smiled, grateful it was something we could laugh about now. Yeah, not the hike. Do you ever wonder, what if Olivia hadn't wanted me to plan her wedding? 
What if our paths had never crossed again? He shook his head, pulling me into him. His naked body was both hard and welcoming all at once. I would have found you. And I believed him. Chapter Four We're almost there, Harrison said, turning back to me from farther up the trail. Where are you taking me? I asked, sweat making my shirt cling to my skin. The rainforest was beautiful, but the humidity was killing me, and I kept slipping on the rocks that lined the path. They were small enough that you could barely step on them, but too large to walk around, and they were slick from the moisture in the air. Do you need a snack? He teased. I narrowed my eyes and growled at him. He laughed, stopping to pull something out of his backpack. Here. He handed me an energy bar. Thank you. I grabbed it from him, tearing the wrapper. I took a few bites and started to feel a little less on edge. I could enjoy the scenery again, the bird song, the swaying of the branches. And was that? Do I hear? I furrowed my brow. Is that water? He held up his water bottle and shook it. Yup. Want some? No. I narrowed my eyes at him. Listen. He capped his water bottle and shoved it back in his pack before forging ahead on the trail. Come on. We walked a while longer, the sound of rushing water growing louder with every step. The air seemed cooler as well, and I relaxed, enjoying the vibrant hibiscus and lush forest. We rounded a bend and a waterfall came into view. I lifted my head, glancing up to the top and watching as it tumbled and fell, plunging into a large clear pool at the bottom. I was so busy looking at it that I didn't notice Harrison had moved from my side. When I glanced over to look at him, I realized he was gone, standing off to the side where an elaborate picnic had been laid out on a flat patch of grass. My jaw popped open. Wow. Right? He sat down and opened the picnic basket. Emery outdid himself this time. I nodded, salivating with every item he removed. I joined him on the ground, pouring us each a drink while he plated some food for both of us. We sat in peaceful silence, eating our lunch as the tranquility of the place washed over us, like the waterfall tumbling over the stones. I think I'm putting you in charge of our vacations from now on, I finally said. Is that so? He smirked, smugness creeping into his tone. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Every day keeps getting better and better. Now you know how I feel about life with you. He brought my hand to his lips and kissed me. I laughed. So cheesy. You love it, he teased. I do. And I love you. I rocked on my hip, leaning toward him for a kiss. What's been your favorite day so far? Gah, are you really going to make me choose? I've loved it all, from snorkeling on the reef to lounging on our private beach to surf lessons. Though the tour of the island's gardens and taking the cooking class with a local chef had to be one of my favorite things. He grinned. I thought you'd enjoy that. I'm glad. What about you? I asked, 
What's been your favorite part? I'm not sure I can choose, he said. Though, seeing your delight, getting to explore with you, that's probably been my favorite part. I pushed my hair away from my face, then leaned back on my elbows, tilting my head to the sky. The forest was dappled with sunlight, and I closed my eyes. I could have listened to the waterfall all day. I have something for you, Harrison said. I opened my eyes and he pulled something out of the backpack that looked a lot like a jewelry box. I furrowed my brow. What's that? I wanted to get you something to remember our time here. Something as unique and beautiful and rare as you are to me. He lifted the lid to reveal a gorgeous strand of pearls in the most amazing array of colors, from creamy white to green to chocolate brown. Oh my. I held a hand to my mouth, then reached out to skim the tips of my fingers along the strand. They're gorgeous. Thank you. I wrapped my arms around his neck and kissed him. He was the most thoughtful, sweetest man. When did you? While you were getting your massage, he said, and I laughed. So that's why you skipped? He nodded. I hope it's okay. But I also got Olivia a necklace. It's different from yours. A pendant with a single pearl. Of course. I was going to suggest we get her something special. I'm sure she'll love it. I smiled. Good. He closed the box and returned it to the backpack. Want to go for a swim? I glanced over at the pool. It certainly was clear, yet I hesitated. Is it safe? He lifted a shoulder. Emery assured me it is. Yeah, okay, sure. I stood, pushing my shorts over my hips before stripping out of my shirt, leaving me in a two-piece red swimsuit. Fuck me. Harrison growled. I laughed, enjoying the way he seemed to grow more agitated with every new swimsuit I revealed on the trip. From the white bikini with applique flowers to the cobalt blue one piece that dipped low on my chest to this red one. I walked into the water, the cool liquid lapping at my toes. And all the while, I could feel his eyes on me, watching me. The water was borderline cold, but it felt refreshing. Before I could talk myself out of it, I dove beneath the surface, the chill a shock to my system. When I resurfaced, Harrison was nowhere to be seen. I glanced around for him, yelping when something grabbed my leg a moment later. He popped his head up, smoothing back his hair with a laugh. That's not funny, I splashed him. I'm sorry, babe, he said, pulling me close to him. No, you're not. He pressed his lips to my neck, my anger cooling as my desire sparked. I rested my head against his shoulder, water swirling around us, and the falls drowning out all other sounds. It was so easy to be present, to be in the moment. His erection began to prod me, and when he slid his hands down to cup my ass, I laughed. You're insatiable. Well, what do you expect? when you keep parading around in these swimsuits. If I thought the white bikini was small, it was nothing compared to this shoestring. He smoothed his hands over my bare skin, 
the bottoms revealing most of my ass. My skin tingled with awareness, warmth gushing to my core where I wanted him most. It is pretty small, isn't it? I leaned back and peered down at my chest. Like the bottoms, the top was a small strip of fabric, and while Harrison likened it to a shoestring, dental floss seemed a more fitting description. His eyes followed my gaze, and the way he looked at me made me hotter than the South Pacific sun. He rubbed his thumbs over my breasts, my nipples pebbling beneath the wet material. He swallowed hard, and I suddenly found it difficult to breathe, to think clearly. My chest rose and fell in rapid bursts, goosebumps breaking out along my skin. When he brushed the material aside completely, I gasped. He picked me up, wrapping my legs around his waist. His hard-on was insistent, brushing my entrance as he backed us toward a large shelf of rock lining the edge of the pool. He set me down, though never losing his hold, our tongues mixing, bodies melding, hands exploring. Harrison, I panted as he clamped down on one of my nipples, nudging my bottoms aside with his finger to tease my clit. Oh God, oh fuck. I struggled to find purchase, the water and the wind and his lips wreaking havoc on my senses. He kept my swimsuit pulled to the side, even as he withdrew his finger, but he quickly replaced it with his cock. We both sighed in relief, and he pinned my eyes with his, blinking our fingers as he continued to pump into me. I used my legs to pull him closer, fusing us together until there was no way of knowing where one of us ended and the other began. Don't stop, I whispered, sinking my teeth into his shoulder. Don't stop. And with that... I came, light bursting behind my eyelids, our movements frantic as we lost ourselves in each other. He followed behind with a few short thrusts and a grunt. Her breathing was ragged, and I could feel his heart racing. He whispered words of love and pressed kisses to my hair, my temple. Later that evening, after a delicious meal at one of the restaurants, we returned to the villa. We sat on one of the lounge chairs, watching the sunset as we had every evening since arriving. My back was to him, his legs bracketing mine, his arms wrapped around me. I reflected back on the day, on the trip, and I marveled at everything we'd done and seen. But best of all had been the time together. Harrison was right. We had needed this break, this alone time and I felt more relaxed and happier than I had in years. As much as I didn't want to think about returning home, I couldn't help it. As the sun dipped lower in the sky, casting brilliant pinks and purples throughout the clouds, I asked, do you ever worry that happiness like this is fleeting? No. He said it with such certainty that I twisted to peer back at him over my shoulder. Because I know it is. My heart stuttered, but he continued speaking. Just as I know that pain, loss, unhappiness, any emotion is fleeting. Our relationship will go through ups and downs. That's the nature 
of love and life. But I will never give up on us. I will never stop fighting for us. Neither will I. I pressed my lips to his. In my heart, I knew he was right. As I'd said that night at the bar, the night we'd met. Life was unpredictable. But Harrison had been right too, because that was part of the fun. He'd shown me that, and there was no one else I wanted to experience the adventure with. This has been Without End by Jenna Hartley, read for you by Samantha Brentmore. Welcome back. Hi. So we've told you everything, right? Is that I it? Think so. <laughs> we've said it all. We have got one more book before this season is over. So I just want to mention, if you're still listening, this is kind of crazy that we're coming to the end of season eight, which was another like last minute, like thrown together season, but we somehow made it work. (laughs) And the next book we have is Naima Simone. It was previously played. It's grading curves. It was one of our most listened to books when it came out. And it's just... It's so filthy and wonderful, and she's incredible. Anyway, she's got so many great books, so we'll talk a lot about her next week. Like I said, if you're listening, that's the last uh, book in Season 8, and then we're going to take a three-week break, and then we're going to come back strong with Season 9. Which we have booked till the end of the year, I think. We have. So, yeah, I guess this is a little teaser, if you are still listening. From the 1st of August until the 1st of January, we have a brand new book, never before released, every single week. (laughs) It's insane. We have, like, I don't know how many authors in this next season, but they are incredible. I'm so excited. Um, Jissa Dean's one of them. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I already read it. Ha ha. I know. She sent it to us the other day. And I was like, so I read it. <laughs> it was like two hours later. <laughs> I know we've gotten so many great books so far. So, you know, we'll do another. Um, we'll do maybe a little special episode where we announce all the authors and all the stuff we've got coming up. But if you're not buckled in, get ready because season nine is just going to be fucking just balls to the walls. It'll be great. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind.